0: Well, good morning. good morning. It's good to see you. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I hope that's the words that are all over your tongue over these next few weeks as you are encouraging people around. Hey, you know, this is an this is amazing time of year, regardless of what Adam says. Uh, really, the big deal is wherever two or three are gathered, there is the flu. Right? I, wow, what a time, what an amazing time. It's good to be with you, I'm Rick Schonkweiler and I am from the Christian Church Leadership Network and, and I am just excited to be here this morning. You know, uh, your team, your worship team is amazing because I know a number of them have been sick through this week and people have stepped up at the last minute, so let's, let's just praise God for them for a minute, would you please? Thank you guys for stepping up. What, a, what an amazing, amazing time. Some time, years ago, a church group hit, a, hit the streets with a video camera asking pastors by the question, what comes to mind when you think of the Christmas story? And you know what the major answer was? The movie, The Christmas Story. So what I want you to do is, is uh, share your favorite Christmas story, Christmas movie with the person sitting next to you. Go ahead, do that. What's your favorite movie? There'll be a few laughs out there. I'm sure that you've got all kinds of, of favorites as that part goes along. But it's amazing that the Christmas story, that movie, is a classic tale from the 80s where you're going to shoot your eye out. Remember that that line, kid? Set in the 40s, it's all about a Red rider, carbon action, 200 shot, range model, air rifle, BB gun with a compass in the stock. I mean, that's what, that's the whole focus of the movie in many ways. In fact, in our family, when our kids were young, it was the centerpiece of the discussion as to whether or not my eight-year-old son should get a BB gun. His sisters all voted no. He was the only one who voted yes. It was interesting to see that happen. Now, for the older generation, I heard a couple of you say this. It's Jimmy Stewart's It's a Wonderful Life, Right? I mean, my goodness, the story uh, that is happening. But, But through the generations from It's a Wonderful Life to the Christmas story, the Christmas story itself has been turned upside down. From the streets of Bedford Falls where the emphasis is on how George Bailey could save the old building and loan so that the poor could receive some loans and help everyone in the community to that cranky store Santa Claus Who kicks Richie down the stairs? Oh my goodness, what a change in the story as it goes along. Ralphie, excuse me, not Richie. We've changed perspectives on Christmas. As Time Magazine wrote a few years ago, the individual Christmas matters. Bedford Falls can take a hike. It's not about angels getting their wings. Christmas is about kids getting their due. How much loot can they get? You know, It's a Wonderful Life portrayed a number of Christian values and ideals, using traditional songs and an angel as one of the central characters. But a Christmas story has none. In fact, an analysis of 48,000 hours of programming by the National Religious Broadcasting Company found that 90% of holiday programming had no significant spiritual theme. 7% had a religious or spiritual theme but did not refer to Jesus or his birth. Just take a look this year at the offerings on Netflix or on network TV and see how many of them focus on Jesus and how many of them focus on me. Jesus was the focus of only 3% of Christian programming and Christmas programming. It seems Christmas has been turned upside down. But today I want to encourage us to turn Christmas right side up. After all, Christmas begins and ends with Jesus, right? Can I get an amen? amen? Yeah, absolutely. Christmas begins and ends with Jesus. Ten years ago, I stood in front of a congregation over in northern part of Cincinnati after one of the worst weeks of my family's history. My youngest daughter had just given birth to a stillborn daughter. Somebody asked me, how could you stand before us today and speak? I could speak because circumstances don't make the season. Circumstances don't make the season, Jesus does. And when Jesus stands in your life, There are things that you can face and do that you thought you had no power to do, no strength to do. And he did not come to make all these awful things disappear like some magician. He came so that we might be overcomers. Everyone in my family expected me to stand up that Sunday morning. They were praying for me. My wife Nancy was with our daughter Jeanette and Dave, her husband, and I was with the church. And Jesus is with all of us. No matter what you're going through today, Jesus is with you. You don't have to pray and ask, Jesus, please be with me in the midst of this. He's already promised that, right? He said when he came, I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what it is that might be beating you up or your family up or your neighbor up or whatever that might be. But Jesus is with you. You see, Christmas is not some feel-good Band-Aid or sticker that you can put on an owie. That's not what Christmas is. It's the healing remedy that reaches deep into the hurt that you think will never be salved, that there seems to be no recovery from, no release of pain, soothing so deeply that you almost miss it. Sitting around with family while tears flow does not mean that there is no deep joy, because there is one who loves you so deeply that he touches every aspect of your life. And that's why we sang that song just a minute ago about joy. It's not just joy to the world, but it's joy in my life, deeply. Christmas reminds us that every life counts. Big or small, rich or poor, no matter how high your IQ is or the size of your IRA, every life matters. From the high celebration to the moment that we receive the call that no parent or grandparent wants to hear or ever wants to have, only one thing matters, and these are the words I want you to take away today. Christmas begins and ends with Jesus. Can you say that with me? Christmas begins and ends with Jesus. The scripture we're we're gonna consider today is one of my favorite parts of the Bible, except it actually takes place after the birth of Jesus. And I'll talk about more of that later. Matthew's whole gospel seems to surround the theme and he keeps coming back to the theme over and over again that Jesus is king that he is ruler, and, and the truth is presented from page one with a genealogy that includes the kings and the, of Israel and Judah to the last words where Jesus says, all authority is given to me on heaven and earth. Wow. In chapter two, Matthew introduces us to a set of players that are only briefly on the screen of Jesus' life. The first characters are called magi or magic men, or wise men in some of our translations. Most often, this word referred to a group of scholars who studied the stars. And while their title connected them with magic, they were probably more like astrologers. Their presence, though, doesn't endorse astrology. The second character is King Herod. You know that name. You've heard it before. He's an interesting character and in that he was ruler over all of Israel at this time because of a relationship that he had with the Roman Mark Antony. You remember Antony and Cleopatra, if you have your old history together. And because he knew Antony, he was in charge of Israel at this time. And He was a cruel and crafty man who permitted no one, not even his family, to interfere with his ruling and his being in charge and even satisfying his own evil desires. You see, sometimes when we're reading scripture, we don't see the deep darkness of the story that is behind what's happening. He's a proven, ruthless murderer as he had his wife and his two brothers killed because he suspected them of treason. He was married at least nine times to fulfill his lust and strengthen his political ties. So when we read this passage of scripture, this is the backfield to the moment. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And two, it says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now I want you to notice a few things in this particular story. Set aside your traditional understanding for a minute and just look at the text. You see, First, we understand that these guys show up after the birth of Jesus. Sorry to burst the bubble on your snow globe or your pretty manger scene, but guess what? The wise men are not there. Now, some of us, because we've grown up in the Christian church, the independent Christian church, we've known that for a long time. And I can remember my kids, whenever we got out the, the, uh, the Christmas manger scene, they would always trot the wise men off to the side. Because <laughs> they Dad, they're not there. They're just not there. I said, okay, okay, okay. They show up at Jerusalem asking about this one born king of the Jews. Now, I wonder, who are they asking? It says they come asking. It's not just that they're in the palace looking, excuse me, for just a moment. I'll make sure I use hand cleaner later, okay? Don't shake my hand today. Yeah, I got it too. It may be that they thought everyone knew, and so they pulled up to the, to the local gas station and started to fill up and went into the, into the place and said, hey, where's the one who's born king of the Jews? They figure everybody knows this taking place. I mean, after all, even before Twitter and TikTok and Instagram, news of the birth of a royal would be all over the place. And so they're asking around. You know, they give us some clue to how they knew to come by this reference to a star. Maybe they'd read some prophecies that that there would be a king born when this particular star appeared in the heavens and checking their charts, they noticed the star. And as a result of their curiosity, they began following it. Isn't that unique too? It says they followed the star. I mean, if you read about this time in history, there certainly were a number of stories about the appearance of a king who would usher in peace and calm. Hmm. The second clue is it says we've come to worship him. We've come to worship him. Maybe more appropriately it was to do homage. In other words, we want to come and bow down before him. Because if he has a star, he must be the greatest king of all. We don't know how many of them there were, but they certainly caused a stir as they came in to Jerusalem. The city wakes up and the king notices that they're asking these questions and these strange men have come in. And final clue that's here, they were Gentiles. They were non-Jewish people. So from the very beginning, God is bringing the whole world into this story of his son. Understanding that this was his son, come to be savior of the world. Everyone's included in the crowd around the Messiah. Now on this last point, I wanna assure you that Jesus came for every one of us. He wants none of us left out. He wants none of your neighbors left out, none of the people in the state, in the country left out. So the question is, are you ready for him? Now then the story gets more involved. Herod hears about this band of astrologers coming around and he freaks out. The scripture just uses this word, he was disturbed. But that means he's pulling his hair out wondering, oh my goodness, what's gonna happen now? What are these guys talking about? Remember the paranoid guy that he is. So he calls the Sanhedrin together, that's the Jewish religious leaders, because Herod kind of gives lip service to the fact that he's Jewish, but he doesn't really know the faith very well. And they, he asked them, what, to, what do they know about this? And they tell him, well, there's a Messiah that's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And you can read the rest of that in Matthew chapter 2. But from what we know about Herod, this must have caused a near riot in his head. Bethlehem, baby, boy, what, what, what's going on? Scripture says, a ruler who will shepherd over my people Israel. My guess is that his first thought is someone must die because I have to protect myself. So he calls the Magi in to meet with him secretly. Uh, why secretly? Well, maybe Herod didn't want to be associated with these Easterners. You know, I, I've been around Cincinnati for a number of years, and you know what that deal is if you've been close to Cincinnati. West-siders don't know East-siders, right? You don't go from one side of 75 to the other side very easily. But maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe he didn't want his people to know that he was not up on everything in his kingdom. He didn't know where this baby was. Or maybe he didn't want spies from Rome to get the news that he was meeting with these guys. Whatever it was, this is a tense moment. We don't read that tension in the text whenever we see that, but you continue on in chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, and it says very simply this. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Man, for some of us, we've heard this story over and over again, and it's almost, we're almost to the ho-hum moment, right? Hey, man, I've heard this story. I know what's going to happen next. No big deal. But I want you to dig a little bit deeper, because can I tell you, this sounds like the scheming, murdering king that Herod was. Sits on his throne, talking to the guys, being calm, but murder is behind the eyes that he looks out at these men with. He's setting up something. He asks him, when did this happen? He's looking for a time frame. Can you find him? He doesn't want to be associated with finding the baby. And he knows nobody's gonna expect any danger if it's these guys that go find this baby. And then he says, I wanna worship him. Right. Probably no greater lie in the New Testament than Herod saying, I want to worship him. Now Herod can get to him and kill him. And it is close, folks. It is really close in what Herod's about to do. The Magi leave, they find Jesus, they worship him, they honor him, and then they leave. Why? Because of a dream that they had, in which they're warned. We never hear of them again, until somebody writes a song, we three kings of Orient are. They disappear from the pages of scripture, and we don't know much about, any about their history. Here's what I want you to think about today, and that's this, worship, because you have the magi saying we want to come and worship him and we have Herod saying i want to come and worship him too one is sincere the other is sinister and that's in some ways the way people see jesus today some sincerely want to follow him and others believe he's the biggest lie ever perpetrated on mankind some say he's the focus of my life and others say It's just a figment of your imagination. I want us to think about four things that are included in true worship this Christmas season to the king of Christmas. Number one, worshiping him takes time. Worshiping him takes time. The Magi had been on the road for up to two years. Now, how do we know that? Because of Herod's heinous crime of slaughtering all babies born in, baby boys born in Bethlehem up to two years old. He is not going to leave any stone unturned. He wants to make sure that he gets this baby before this baby gets him. He has asked the Magi the exact time they first saw the star and he's got that in his agenda. All that traveling, riding on a camel. Hey, ever tried that? Ever ridden on a camel? If you haven't, you can always head over to the Creation Museum. They've got a camel there you can ride. Used to be at the zoo. You kind of wobble around whenever you're on top of that. Two years, not too comfortable. Every minute moving closer to him, but not sure when they would arrive. But no turning back. Their time began with Jesus, and it ended with Jesus in the house. You know, sometimes God builds and challenges us to be patient in our worship I want to encourage you today that as we continue to be searching for the next lead minister here at at Rising Sun, be patient. God has something important to show us at the end of that travel. And you, as you worship, you worship him completely. Worship God. Be patient. You know, sometimes I'll go into a place of worship and I complain how long it took me to get here. I came in from the Burlington area. I have to drive all the way up to Lawrenceburg. Then I drive back down into the rising sun area. And I go, you know, if the ferry was just open, I'd be there in 10 minutes. But why do I complain? Sometimes I, I complain with how crowded it is. But, you know, worshiping God means I, I go out of my way to his way. You See, worship ought to be a part of taking time in my life. Not just something I do quickly or easily, but that it takes me some time. The Magi were willing to do whatever it took to meet the king. Herod, however, couldn't leave his palace. You see, he only wanted to meet Jesus on his terms, not on the king's terms. What about you? Advent's a time of preparation. Are you preparing with this expectation uh, as people are thinking about coming to Rising Sun Church over the next couple of weeks? Are, are you preparing and, and just being aware, slowing down from the strains and stresses of this time to drop a chair with the king? Man, I hope so. I hope there's some quiet times that you're planning on. Second thing I want you to be aware of, worshiping him takes my talents Now, you may miss this one. The Magi used what they knew to find Jesus. They'd been trained to pay attention to the stars. And when they saw this unusual occurrence, they moved towards it. Herod, he had all the wealth, all the power, all the opportunities. But he was so wrapped up in himself that he totally misses Jesus. The here and now got in the way of real life that Jesus offers. And sometimes that happens to us. The here and now. The flu, the sickness, the death, the, the, the diagnosis, all those kinds of things get in our way. And so what do you bring to this table today? In a bit, in a few minutes, we're gonna gather around the Lord's table, take communion. What are you bringing today? I mean, are you a businessman or a woman who can live out the principles of Jesus on the job? Are you a student who can live out the principles of Jesus at school? Are you an at-home mom or or dad, a scientist, a doctor, a nurse, a therapist? Each of us can discover Jesus in our interactions and in our life. And we look for him and we bring our talents to that moment. Third thing I want you to be aware of, worshiping him takes my treasure. Now, we don't really know the import of the gifts that the Magi bring We know there are three things mentioned. Perhaps there's something to do with their trade, maybe using frankincense and myrrh as fragrances in their astrology and gold from those who depended on their words. We're not sure. Perhaps they were the costliest things that they could have brought to honor a king. Some have said that the gold represents his humanity. Being a king, some say that frankincense represents his deity as God. And some say myrrh represents his destiny or his death. But the reality is their gifts began with thoughts of honoring an earthly king. And they ended up worshiping a cosmic king. They weren't expecting the Lord of the universe. They weren't expecting God in the flesh. They thought it would be a, a God for here and now. But he is both a God here and now and a God forever. Whatever their reasoning, the, the Magi brought gifts that cost them. They had to transport them long distances where they've been open to bandits and to robbers. And they would have had to protect them from breakage. Worshipping this king was costly, it was inconvenient, it was not easy. Let's contrast this with Herod's request. He made sure that finding Jesus would cost him nothing. He had the Sanhedrin do the research for who this guy is and where the baby would be. He had the Magi establish the timeline. He had the Magi conduct the search. In fact, when the baby was found, he would seek to kill him so this baby's appearance would not cost him the throne. See, Herod didn't want it to cost him anything. He was protecting the Magi realized it would cost them much, and they were prone to worship. That's one of the challenges of Christmas, right? Worshiping this baby is costly. I, I don't mean that stack of presents under the tree. In fact, many of us have been talking about spending less so that we can worship more. No, I mean the willingness to agree that He is the owner of everything. He owns my life, including all my stuff. So will you worship him freely by giving him your best treasure? Fourth, worshiping him changes my travel. Changes my travel. This may be the hardest part of the story. You see, it seems that the Magi would have returned to Herod with news of the location of the baby in Bethlehem, but... And that's a mighty big but. They're warned in a dream. Well, listen to this in verse 12, chapter 2. It says this very simply. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their country by another route. You can picture this, can't you? They're ready to go. The night before, they have everything packed up on the the camels and the donkeys, and they're ready to leave, and all of a sudden, the warning comes. Should they obey the king... Or should they obey the king? A time of choosing. And they choose wisely. My life and your life depended on their response. Herod, he doesn't want anything to change. In fact, when you read the rest of the story, you see he does not have long in this life. Uh Oh, if he had just sought Jesus instead of fought Jesus, his outcome would have been incredibly different. Herod believed only his life mattered. But Jesus gives meaning to every life. The question is that Herod would commit a crime, recorded nowhere else because these little boys' lives did not matter. Jesus would go to a cross, another crime, recorded for all time so that you would know that every life mattered. You see, when you meet Jesus, you just cannot go back the way you came. You cannot go back to the old life. Oh, sure, it will tug at you. People will say, I'm glad you got Jesus. Oh, that's really sweet. Now, come on. Get real. Sometimes that tug will win, and there's always the way back to Jesus and then the new way to go, but he says you can't go back The old way you came. I remember when I decided to follow Jesus in the dark, damp woods in Indiana. I never thought it would lead me to a pulpit in Ohio. I never thought it would lead me to a funeral in India. I never thought it would lead me to a muddy field in Ecuador or to a kitchen table in Coleraine Township to talk about Jesus, but it did. And I never thought that I would need the strength to hold a daughter and a granddaughter in a hospital room with such amazing sadness, but a reflection on the Savior. But it did, and I do. So which story are you in? It's a wonderful life, my life's impact on others? Or a Christmas story, what I want for Christmas? Which part do you play? Are you magi seeking the king, or Herod replacing the king? The question is not who is the king of England or the president in the White House. The question is who's lord in your house? This is the time, don't let it pass. Because when you meet Jesus, the trajectory of your life changes. I can't promise you days of sunshine and flowers, but I can promise you a life of adventure, and of meeting, take a look at this.
1: I've always been, but I've been at the state of that time. Would I have seen a king or just a baby? If I'd stood there with the shepherds listening to stories about choirs of angels, would I have asked, what child is this? Oh, would I have known that he someday would be the shepherd of all? I'd watched wise men bring valuable gifts. And kneel down under the guard of heavenly wonders. When I understood that he was the one whom I'd find all wisdom. And that he was the greatest gift of all. Just as that baby was held by his mother. He would hold me. He would hold me with his amazing grace. And his adoption by his father Joseph would be a picture of my adoption in God's family. Who could comprehend that this baby who was defenseless wow. in hell someday he would someday be the one holding me in his hands? I didn't witness a star moving across the sky. There were scores of angels proclaiming his birth, but somehow in the middle of my ordinary world this extraordinary baby's birth found a place in my worn down so like all those people who saw him, He's the one I can wait for. To repair me. Redeem me. Love me. Forgive me. Comfort me. Help me. Die for me. Raise me to life. So what child is this? He's the one who comes to save me. He's the one who comes to save me. To save me. To save me. He's the one who comes to save me.
0: He is the one who came to save me. And when I reflect on this part of the Christmas story, I'm once again just captured by the contrast. The Magi seeking the king, Herod opposing the king. The Jewish priests are ignoring the king. And those who knew the scriptures, which pointed them to the Savior, would not get to worship him themselves just five miles away in Jerusalem but they missed by an eternity. You have an opportunity today to accept this Jesus. This one who said, I came to save you. Uh, You know, I don't don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to miss him. This journey will take your time, your talent, your treasures, but I promise you the trip will be worth it. I don't serve a God where the death of a baby a child or even an adult serves to accomplish a political aim. I serve a God who died for me so that I could live. Christmas begins and ends with Jesus. So today it's because of that Christmas that my daughter Jeanette could write these words which mean and she means them from the depth of her heart when she wrote... Our precious little girl was delivered this morning at 7:47. We will always we always prayed that God would keep our Elsie in his hands, and he decided to never let her go. Thank you all for your prayers and support as we take joy in having held her and mourn her beating us to heaven. In a moment, we're going to be singing. And during that time, you may want to talk to someone about following Jesus. I'll be sitting right up here in front, and you can talk with me, taking that next step and following him, in a relationship with him, faith to follow, baptism to connect, a church family to grow, a prayer to follow along in the journey. We'll have individuals who will pray for you, who will encourage you. And as I said, I'd be glad to talk with you here or out in the, the hub area out there. Don't ignore his voice. So how do you live this out? First, I want to encourage you to determine three people you'll pray for and develop a plan to bless him. I encourage people to take $25 since December is the 25th and take whatever that amount is and assist in your plan and how you can bless someone else. Maybe pick up a worship CD or download a worship album from iTunes. Find a place where you can spend some quiet minutes with God. And then ask God how he wants you, this worship, to change the direction of your life. Fourth, maybe you just need to be praying for our church family to show our community that Christmas has changed our lives and that through us, the world. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Christ, you have conquered death, and we are not afraid. We beg you now, Lord, to come again, so that we may see you face to face. May our worship prepare us to see you today and let us live ready. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Welcome to the RSCC Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.